He's Aaron. She's Elizabeth. And, and we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea. It feels like Halloween tonight. Yeah, the 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 cold has finally settled in. I don't know if it'll last, but uh, so far today it has been just slightly chilly. It's been nice. I took a look into the future forecast for this week. It won't, so I forgot promptly and just pretended that it's going to be 60 and blustery for the rest of my life. <laughs> it's going to be warm for the rest of the week. Wonderful. <laughs> One day it'll get cold. Never once. Has it been a cold fall night for Halloween, though? No. Not in Tennessee. It, or if it is, it's rainy. Yeah. Wet, just, just awful, awful rainy. But I think even more than the weather, it's fun to watch all of these Halloween movies. It's kind of like how last year we said, you know, Christmas just snuck right by us. We made more of an effort to notice it was happening. Watching all these Halloween movies is like remembering and making sure to like oh yeah it is halfway through october don't forget yeah yeah it's yeah we're we're almost in the home stretch for uh, halloween and liz and i have a great costume uh i costume group a uh, couple costume it's a do-it-yourself costume which is my favorite yes and uh we're very we're very excited so we're uh we're we're rolling with that but um for uh, tonight's episode, today's episode, this episode, whichever you want to call it, uh, you, you've you seen from the, the preview image, uh, you may not have ever heard of this one. This one's a little bit more obscure. Yes, very. Uh, so much so that I didn't even know that there was an animated movie based on this property because I only knew this as a book. And I never knew that this was a book because I had only seen the animated property. And now that we both know that Ray Bradbury is a thing, so yeah. much more than others, <laughs> it's hard not to realize, of course, that The Halloween Tree was first written by Ray Bradbury and then animated into a kid's hour-long movie. Well, uh, Hannah Barbera. Yeah, which he uh, worked on because, uh, as we know, maybe we all need to know, Ray Bradbury, besides writing Fahrenheit 451, did thousands of other books short stories novels uh television shows and i think the only thing the man didn't do was podcast and that's because podcast didn't exist yet yeah he was a uh jack of all trades marathon man type thing <laughs> um i'm really excited to talk about this because every year i like reading the halloween tree and i like watching it too just to remember all the different similarities there's a couple real noticeable changes different and i think similarities yeah, I think it has a lot to do with adaptations, which we'll talk about. I think I'm going to start by saying that I think Ray Bradbury's work is underserved by the period in time in which they were chosen to be adapted. Kind of like if they had tried to make any of Angela Carter's fairy tale short stories back in the 90s, which they did with A Company of Wolves, it does not adequately do justice to the macabre sense that she has in much the same way that Ray Bradbury does. So I feel like if there was a Netflix series that came out now that adapted Ray Bradbury's stuff or Angela Carter with that dark sense of foreboding and that allowing of pause, of gravitas, uh, I think it could be much better served through today's media than it could 30 years ago. Yeah, and like... Um... We talked a little bit about Ray Bradbury stuff. We did the the Ray Bradbury theater with the uh, the short stories uh, or the shorts that we watched and kind of Twilight Zone stuff, which was real real kind of neat. 
but um, Ray he's Bradbury, got he was, so many uh, properties out there. I think the thing was he was so heavily part of his properties. And as a creator myself, I get the urge to want to be a part of all these adaptations. You want to make sure people do it right. But I feel like it almost has a Stephen King quality where the man could write. And obviously Ray Bradbury could direct and script and do well. But he is so clearly part of every single project adaptation of his in a way that I think it's, you know, J.R.R. Tolkien would not have made a great Lord of the Rings movie. Peter Jackson made a great Lord of the Rings True. movie. And that's the thing, too. Like, uh, you bring up Stephen King. Um, I recently watched uh, the new version of It, um, directed by uh, a di completely different director. Everyone pretty much is different in it. And it's it's a different take on the story. And I watched the original um, TV series movie, and it was spooky, but I never thought it was scary. It was almost like that weird, laughable, like where they tried just a little bit too hard, but they, but there was a level of trying that they didn't reach. And honestly, like there were times I was creeped out, not because of like the clown or the situations, because of how real it got. And that's Stephen King. Is like Stephen King is a great mix between the supernatural and the real. Like he has the real bullies who like could actually exist, and then he has a terrifying shape shifting clown monster thing. Like so that's so that's I I have to say that it is the best adaptation besides like The Shining. Did Pennywise the clown turn into a giant alien spider at the end? No. Okay. Already better. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a couple scenes. I watched it with a, a couple friends. Um uh shout out to Keenan and Justin. Uh that, you know, we I went like I like there's a couple times I'm like, holy shit. Oh my god, that was so like because like I like I like getting surprised and there's you know, with horror there's those like, how they build tension sometimes. It's like you're like you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and then it pays off or it doesn't pay off. And like, there's a couple of scenes that you think it you got to pay off, and then something else happened, and it was holy shit! It was, it was so good, um, and I I thoroughly enjoyed it. So it's like you you bring up you know Stephen King in this in this sense, yeah. This adaptation is to kind of bring us back on track. This adaptation is um, unique because when I think of Ray Bradbury, I don't think of children's stories. I think of, like, stories that maybe, like, middle schoolers and high schoolers can read, but I don't think children's stories. That's the fun thing about Ray Bradbury. The Halloween tree is based on children. A lot of his short stories are based on his memories of his youth, kind of in a Charles DeLint way where he made up this town in Canada, and all of his stories, no and matter what, take King. up this place in Canada. And he made this whole town based around it. And it's it's cool. It's like world building. And it's not like just convenient that it all takes place there. It's that more magical things happen here. Delent verse. <laughs> so uh, Ray Bradbury, when the very beginning of this book starts, and the show starts the same way that this, this little town in the Midwest, that's like Bradbury's childhood right there. That's what he pulls upon. And he yeah. loves pulling upon the image of youth. In the book, there are eight boys. Plus Pip. Like, it is a huge cavalcade. And we'll talk about the monsters that don't show up in the show that could have shown up and terrified some children. But it's... And the whole... Like, there wasn't a girl. You know, Ray Bradbury blessed them, but, you know, young 12-year-old boys didn't want to hang out with girls. 
you know, unless oh. they were very progressive in the 50s. My first best friend that I ever had was a girl. Yeah, that's not a comment on girls can hang out with boys. That's moreover, that was what he was familiar with, and thus he wrote it that way. And so they included a girl instead. Mm-hmm. Which it didn't feel like she was tacked no, on, really. Kid characters? This isn't like, again, this isn't a children can be anything, but I feel that children, especially in this sort of story, are not, you know sexed or gendered in any way they're just children first and they're adventurous children or they're cowardly children or they're uh you know nervous children so i do know why they dropped it down from uh nine kids to just four plus pip i do understand that a lot but it's so fun to see some of the things that bradbury talks about in other books show up that ravine that ravine shows up a lot all manner of dark things come out of that ravine. And it's never like, that's the same ravine. Make sure you notice that. It's If you read enough of his work, you see this ravine pop up again and again. Kind of like with uh, Stephen King. Like he'll, he'll mention other things. Like at one point, like there's a they mention a car or something to do with the car in one of his other books. So, yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. But they get the gist of why they are all there to try and save Pip. Which is fun. The way that they describe him in the book is so excellent. They do some of it in the show, but they talk about Pip was the kind of boy who would be just kicking it at a race, and he would look back, see all of his friends lagging behind, and purposely slow and shuffle and trip until they all cut up to him, and then they'd run together side by side to win the race, who would always have an extra treat for you when you had none. Just like the real, like, kind of kind person, but who wasn't also afraid to lead adventures. Pip is Jonathan Hash. Ah, shout out to Jonathan Hash. <laughs> he, the time I was reading this and watching this, I'm like, it's it's John. John is Pip. <laughs> well, let's go, let's do a quick uh, plot summary. Um, it, this is actually one of the more unique plots I've ever come across. Actually, can I do my backstory for this real quick? Certainly. Or do we want to do the plot, then I'll do my backstory. Oh, uh, we could talk about uh, how you know about this. What's the backstory? Uh, my backstory is uh, back when I was a kid, there was a video store that wasn't a blockbuster. Back when there was actual competition m- actual competition for blockbuster um, in these things um, in a smaller part of the town that we live in in Knoxville. Like there was a place out in Halls that had, it was a video store, but it was a real small one. Um, my parents would take me, and they had a decent kids section. Um, and I watched m- quite a few movies in there. I remember there was a movie where Bruce Willis plays a kid who's also a secret agent <laughs> called Bruno or something like that. Yeah. I don't remember much from the movie, but I remember that it was Bruce Willis as a kid who was a secret agent. Um, but uh, there was a couple movies that I saw in there that always kind of like that weird nostalgia, like, oh, I kind of remember this. I remember you and I talking about this, and I kept trying to figure this out. Uh, and like, I was like, yeah, there was this, there was this movie about like these kids trying to like save their friend and they like they're all wearing costumes and like they like all visited their costumes and like they came to life and stuff like that and you're like yeah it's the halloween tree (laughs) i'm like what i'm like that makes sense but what you're like yeah it's this book it was by ray brown redberry no (laughs) like i i literally i'd watched this movie when i was a kid i'm sure the title alone the halloween tree because halloween always interests me as a kid 
um, that, like Halloween tree interests me. And then like, I got to see this movie, but I didn't really understand half of the shit that was going on. Um, but like, I watched this as a kid and then never heard about it again until I started, uh, until I started dating you. And so it was, it's a weird, like that nostalgic that you forget about. And then when it pops back, you're like, Oh, I remember that kind of like, uh, I, I put this in the same category. It's a very small, um, collection, but I put that in the same category as the Disney sing-along songs that we found before the, our, uh, Disney trip. Disney World trip, I should say, and then most recently the Aladdin Activity Center. I knew you were gonna bring that up. Yeah, <laughs> well, like, like I, I still, I actually have like that on my, uh, my web browser, like, so I can always remember. It's like I'm, I need to, I need to just find it and buy it or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, but um, that's my background. Is like I watched this as a kid, forgot about it until like I like I kept saying like, yeah, there's this movie about like these kids and all this, and you're like. Yeah, it's the uh, the it's as a book by Ray Bradbury. It's called The Halloween Tree. I'm like, but it was animated, like, and you're like, I guess maybe they adapted it or something like that. I guess they did. The plot's really simple. It's this group of friends who are all going out to trick or treat on Halloween, um, and one of their friends is missing. So they go and try and find him. And through a series of circumstances, it comes to be that he is taken either by illness or by a mysterious dark other. They play different realities in the show and the book, which we'll discuss. But they find a house owned by Mr. Montroud, Mr. Carapace Clavicle Montroud, and he questions them, why are you dressed the way you're dressed? You don't even know why, do you? And uh, in order to save Pip and to learn about why we do the things we do on Halloween, he takes us on his magical journey back through time to learn about the history and try and save Pip's life. I'm going to say spoilers. Um, yeah. Because um, there's huge differences as we yeah, go. Yeah, let's, let's go ahead and throw a spoiler, that are worth comparisons. spoiler alert on that. Um, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll get a, uh, <laughs> like a... a, a uh, slappings spoiler which yeah Aaron, make something like Aaron that. thinks that just because we have a better editing system that suddenly I know how to edit sound effects into our podcast we will learn we'll learn but yes they uh we uh we'll go ahead and put spoiler alert this this is a in- very interesting uh short movie and short novel so um definitely go ahead and check them out so I highly recommend the book I highly recommend for reading around Halloween. And it's, it's I mean it's what like our copy is what, like fifty pages, sixty pages? Oh, it's a rather short story. hundred and forty five pages. Mm-hmm. If you want to know more about uh Ray Bradbury and his Midwestern childhood, I recommend Dandelion Wine, which is a collection of short stories having to do with that. Uh but if you want something fun and spooky, I recommend Halloween Tree. And it's a great example of his kind of writing, which is why I think it's very difficult to adapt him. Most of Bradbury's writing is in descriptors. It's in the prose part of it. He has wonderful cadences in how he writes and manages his sentence length and structure, which is very hard to translate into a movie without either just saying the di- without just saying the descriptions, which doesn't really always work. It's not, it's the dialogue is not the important part. The dialogue is important that characters say things, but it's Bradbury's style that's the better thing. 
All they're going to hear is just the flipping of that book into the mic. <laughs> uh, so I think it would be a very difficult thing to uh, create, but not impossible. They actually do take uh, liberty with the illustrations that are in the book. They use the illustrations to help do some of the design work for things like the kite and the costumes and the places that they go and the house and the Halloween tree. So all of that stuff is used in there, which is great. Um, and it's got this wonderful line work and hatching quality. Um, I'm actually, like I'm, what she was saying is I'm, uh, I'm flipping through the book, looking at all the illustrations, and every chapter title has a little spot illustration and it's all different masks and i think it's all the like different kind of masks you can have or like all the masks that the boys wear and everything like that it's actually really neat and the illustrations are really kind of cool mm -hmm. i like the mr monstroud in this the, like near the end of the book oh he looks like the crypt keeper yeah it, well like like the crypt keeper mixed with the man in black from um yes uh, half life half life so but i like him better than the the Hanna-Barbera like I'm sure I would probably love this story a lot more than I would like the Hanna-Barbera uh, animated movie I definitely recommend you reading the book because there's a lot of fun crazy differences starting I think mostly with Mr. Montroud himself um I will say that in the book they don't say outright that Pip has gone to the hospital or is dying they go to his house and he comes out walking like an old man clutching his side. He's like, I just don't feel well, but I can't miss out. You guys go ahead. I'll catch up with you. And they later see him running along a ravine and then gets sucked up by this dark nothing and taken away, which is when they run into Mr. Uh, Monshroud at the house and he says, well, we can go uh, run after him. In the show, you just see the ambulance first off and you're like, oh, he's dying. And then they have a ghost of him show up and then they – Find Mr. Montrod is a villain because he's in charge of the pumpkin souls, and I get why you need a villain for a kid's but short. But at the same time, he's not the villain. It's he's not. it's really strange. It's like he's the villain, but not the villain, and Pip's dying, but not dying. It like it's weird because the book is ambiguous about it, but yet is more clear than the damn movie. Yeah, the premise within the book is really quite ingenious because in real life. He is sick, and in real life, he gets fixed. But it perfectly uh, correlates to what the kids are doing. So it could have been the kids that saved him the whole time at the end. Yeah, and that's kind of that's what was all, that was one of the neat parts about this whole story is that could it have been the kids? Could it have not? You never really know. There's a wonderful part at the end of the book. Um, in the movie, they there are these. There's a pumpkin on the tree. So there's this beautiful Halloween tree, and it's just filled with jack-o'-lanterns, so many jack-o'-lanterns. And one of them in the movie looks like Pip, and so he goes to save it because it turns out it's his soul. That's what he needs to stay alive, and Mr. Montrout owns it. In the book, uh, there's nothing mentioned about what the pumpkins look like until the end when they've all gone back to their houses. And then as each boy closes the door, a pumpkin that looks like his costume goes out on the Halloween tree until only one is left, and it's uh, our uh, our boy Tom Skelton, who is dressed up as a skeleton because he's got the last name for it, which is fun. And he has this like telepathic conversation with Mr. Montrout, and he's like, 
Mr. Mantra, do, are you who I think you are? He's like, you know who I am, boy. And he says, will I see you again? He's like, yes, you will in due time, but you have a while. You'll, you'll, you'll see me again, but not for now. And then all the, t all the candles on the Halloween tree go out and Mr. Mantra evaporates into a puff of smoke. And it's, so he's deaf. He's not yeah. a bad guy because death is yeah, something you're death. supposed to face head on. And, and that's and like they say that in the movie, it's like, well, that's the whole point is like, that, like you had to face death head on, you know, greet it like an old friend. Yeah. I do love these depictions of death. I mean, we even talked about that. Death is not one of the things that frightens me. Uh, and I think. No, eternity frightens you. Uh I want to go through what you thought of all the different uh, characters and the places that they go corresponding to their costumes. Like, especially there's a lot more that got missed. <laughs> yeah, like in the when I was a kid, I liked exploring the origins of the costumes. Now, as an adult, I feel like half of the facts that they say are completely wrong. Like the whole thing of the witches. Yeah, I really feel like that's wrong, but I don't know 100%, so I can't say that it's wrong. I just have to say I feel like it's wrong, but uh, I like that I, 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 even with the facts, being, half the facts probably being wrong, I still liked how they, uh, how they went and kind of looked through each of the costumes, like their origins and stuff like that, like Wally being a, uh, a mummy, uh, uh, What's her face being a witch, and then uh, the oh my gosh, kid! Oh my gosh! Like if Scrappy uh, Scrappy Doo's catchphrase was even more wimpy than Puppy Power or Ruby Ruby Rule, like that stupid annoying catchphrase that they're trying super super hard to catch on, too hard. This is that, but like the wimpy younger brother version of it, like um. Like Xenon girl, the twenty first century. Xenopetus. <laughs> like that almost sounds dirty, by the way. Uh, but like how like she kept saying that, and like oh, it's gonna every little girl's gonna say that and stuff like that. This is like, I, I'm about halfway through. I'm like, shut up. You do like they they. That's the problem with this. This is that's the overall problem with this movie. It has too much damn filler. It took out so much that they're like, well, shit, we got to fill up these random parts because it's got to be for kids. It's got to keep going. It's got to keep moving. It's got to keep doing, you know? Yeah, there's ways they could have done this better. And I do still like it, though, that they did care enough to say all, at least four of these different traditions. Yeah. And because that was the whole point of the book. The book, in the very best way, is for kids without being condescending and is educational without being boring. Yeah, and that's that. That's what makes kind of these good specials. I don't even know if it's made for kids. I wouldn't let a kid read this, but I mean, but the cover is. the cover of the book alone is like from a distance. It looks like a skull wearing um like a not a haddock but uh like a, a veil a veil of sorts like the old Puritan veil or something like that. And you get closer and you realize it's a bunch of different people in costumes. You're like. Oh, uh, oh, okay. And it's 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 a very it's a very good art piece, I have to say. But uh, beyond that, like it reminds me, there was this there was this movie that Whoopi Goldberg was on. 
but she wasn't a main character. She was just like, and starring Whoopi Goldberg as this character. Like, she's in it for maybe like 20, 30 minutes of the whole thing, if that much. Hmm. Um, it's about these kids who learn about civil rights and Martin Luther King. And at one point, they end up going back and they try to save Martin Luther King from being shot. Oh, dear. And they do, but when they go forward in time, the main character, who is black, like, somehow, like, everything reverts. And his best friend, who is white, is, like, instantly racist. Ooh. It's, like, it's That's very unfortunate. Yeah. Like, no... Like I there's got the message. There's a better that way to, to play with history. I feel like there's, yeah. there's a better way. Um, they uh, let me see if I can remember them all because there's still like four more after this. Uh, so we go to uh, I do like the fun imagery of the kite that they have to build to fly back into the past times, the far the far off lands, and they build this roaring, terrifying kite out of old circus posters which is just the coolest visual of just this fangs and paper teeth all making this giant kite that the kids just hang off of to be the giant tail going flying through the sky like a giant manta ray very cool uh the first place they go is back to ancient egypt where they talk about the customs of the dead and ancient egypt was one of the things i loved learning about the most when i was a kid i really yeah, liked all of tell. the uh, I loved learning about how they built the pyramids and all the different gods that they had and their lifestyles and how mummies worked. I I made mummies. I have, like, not for school. My father would find me crafts, kits, where we could make our own mummies and wrap them up in sheathing and do that. And he would do it with me because he was a fine man and, <laughs> and fed into my dark obsession with death. And uh, they go back into Egypt and they talk about how they, uh, for the Egyptians, they were dressing their dead for how they would live for the rest of their lives into the afterlife. They were preparing them everything they need with tombs. And to them, um, the dead would be given offerings. Uh, they would be part of the family, sat down at the table, uh, even, you know, 70, 80 years after they've been gone and just have a real chill, like, this is just the first step. And then death is the second step. And we're all going to go there, so we're going to make sure everything's really good so when they get there, they have everything they need. Yeah, it's about honoring the dead, honoring those who came before you. Um, then they uh, cycle back to prehistoric times. No. Which well, they, no, in the book, sorry. Oh, sorry. They cycle back to prehistoric times because one of the boys is dressed up as an ape man, just this giant monkey. And oh. you're like, what, what are you going to do with that? So they go back to prehistoric times, and they talk about the the ape men, our ancestors, who are constantly running, constantly in fear of their life, always on the run, always scared. Uh, and when they finally had the chance to stop and look around, they realized that there could be more to life than the other present threat of death, but they couldn't do that very often. So they're always running from death, always, because it was survival. Yeah. And so that's why it reminds us of that before we could settle down. We were constantly in terror. We were always in fear for our lives, always running from death. Um, then there are uh, the witches. Uh, and we do know a lot about, more about witches than we did even 30 years ago, just about things like Salem and how there were actually a lot fewer trials than we thought. And it wasn't all in Salem. It was a lot of different places that had a lot more witch yeah. problems going on. Um, but it was in a much more concentrated period of time. Uh, all that sorts of things, but they talk about uh, 
to get to the witches, there is this scene with the devil, because there's a little boy dressed up as a devil with horns and a pitchfork and all that. And you're like, okay, what are you going to do with that? And they get to, like, druid Celtic times, like forming of Stonehenge. And there is this giant god named Samhain. Who, Samhain. Um, do you know him? Uh, a bit. Okay. So in the book, you can tell me more. I don't know much about Samhain, but the idea is that he was one of those ancient druid gods. Just this giant of a man who would swing his scythe through the air culling the dead as he saw fit, taking lives from those who were done, Grim Reapering it up, and yeah. just turning them into beasts like upon an the early land. Version of the Grim Reaper. Yeah, and so the scene in this is the kid saying, you know, I don't think I'm ready to die today, Samhain. And he's like, ha! And he just starts swinging his, like he's like a 40-foot giant just swinging his scythe at them as they cower in the bushes. I'm like, yeah, I don't know how you could make that for kids without being just far too terrifying. No, I know it's... Um... Uh, Samhain or Samhain, uh, it because of that movie Trick or Treat. Really? Yeah, they talk about it. Uh, there's a character in there who, uh, I guess she's like, she's on the spectrum or she's like socially inept or something like that, and they're taking her out trick or treating or something like that or collecting money or whatever. Um, but the, like. They're like, well, do you like Halloween? And she's like, I, and she starts going into this big, long thing and how Halloween started as an offering to him and this and that. And it's, and like she, and she talked about it. And actually one of the characters is supposed to be an incarnation of him because they actually call the character Sam. How interesting. It's, yeah, it like, it's not a true representation of this, this, uh, this myth. Uh, it's more like. They, it, yeah, they it heard takes this liberties, and, yeah. but it's interesting to see that someone else even knows about that myth to even rip it off in the oh, first yeah. place. A, <laughs> to rip sorry, it off. Uh, to to uh, to homage it then. Homage, homage. Yes. Uh, so there's a really great scene where you know Sam Haynes just wreaking havoc upon this field, and then these Roman soldiers come over the land. And they start chopping down the trees, which the Druids use their trees and nature to draw on power. And as they cut down the trees. It's like they're chopping into Samahan's legs and they, you know, take him off at the ankles and he falls over dead. And now the Romans are like, now it's our turn. And we build this giant civilization. Um, then we get to the witches. And uh, they're, I'm glad they cut this next one out too because there's a boy dressed up as just like a, a, a dirty beggar. Just like a, like a thief. Just like, you know, just this bum in the street. And they go back to the poor people starving in Ireland during the famine. Oh my god, you're kidding. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, let's, 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 let's run right over that as fast as we can. Just don't look back. Oh, man. Well, like, I remember I was eating at, uh, like, uh, I'm, it's like a, the Salsaritas or whatever it is in Turkey Creek. Um, the one that's over there by, on the corner by um, the, the liquor store there. Um, and I went into the bathroom to, you know, do my business and I saw something sitting on top of the, the toilet paper. Of course I picked it up cause I'm curious and I, I have to look at everything. Um, and it's one of those things and it, it, it was around Halloween time. It was in October or late September and it's like why your children shouldn't go trick or treating. And I thought, okay, it's going to be talking about like how people will poison or can kids will get kidnapped or this or that, you know? Um, 
and and I was like, I, I was I, I was waiting for that, but then it was like, it not it's not only a pagan holiday and celebrates uh, witchcraft, but it's also it's teaching your children to be beggars and not to be able to fend for themselves, and that they that they they'll, they'll expect to be able to just walk up to someone's house and be like, give me food, and it's like the amount of just what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I tell you what, I will say that I had a pleasure talking to a a young girl at an event I went to, and she was talking about uh, her father's a comic book author, and she goes around on tour with him, and they go to cons, and it's a lot of fun. And we're talking about Halloween coming up and how she likes to dress up as Merida because she's really she looks a lot like her with her red hair. Yeah. And I'm like, so what are you gonna be for Halloween? Because she's just talking about you know like contacts and all this stuff. She's like, oh, I don't really do Halloween. Why is that? Well, my mom isn't really okay with it. I'm like, are you like you know? Does she think it's you know bad? You're gonna get poisoned? Or something? No, no. She's just she's just you know doesn't want us going out to do that. Are you allowed to read Harry Potter? Yeah, I've read Harry Potter. Okay, so I guess there are just parents out there who just don't I mean, want their because, kids celebrating the, part of that holiday because of the the implications of the the pagan holiday. I'm or... honestly not sure because you can pretty much de- if you celebrate Christmas, you can debunk the the it's yeah. pagan, so you can't celebrate. It. There is an All Souls even All Souls Day in the Catholic faith, which are the 31st and the 1st of November. It's a official church holidays so if you want to yeah, play that it's, game it started it but it started as a pig just like christmas yeah, exactly yeah there what happens is people t- tend to forget about that but the it's thing just brilliant is, is marketing like, put the same event same holiday on someone else's holiday I did, I did see someone on our facebook say something like well i don't like the commercialization of these holidays and how people are celebrating them nowadays i'm like i i get you i get what you're saying but you're 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 feeding into it then at that point if you don't like the commercialization then don't put it up on facebook go do something else instead of giving presents spend your time volunteering for for something or um you know go do something special with the family like go on a hike or Mm -hmm. you know okay it's absolutely fine if you don't want to celebrate that but don't hide behind your religious book thinking that it's going to protect you and in, in thinking that this is a good idea. Like, don't do it if you don't want to do it, but don't... Yeah. I, 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 that gets my goat sometimes. So. Yeah, we got a little, uh, little tear right there. Yeah. Um, well, I... There's I, two more boys. Who are the last two? Well, on here, one, one is the, the, the gargoyle. Oh yeah, I do like that. Was really fun to see and in the show. Yeah. It was fun to see in the show how they build Notre Dame. That yeah, was that fun. was kind of neat. That's kind of an interesting visual. Um, and I always am up for a good uh, Day of the Dead. Yeah, I am so surprised. Target is half Halloween decorations and half Day of the Dead decorations. Yeah, now. it's a little ballsy. I'm not saying it's not ballsy. bad. <laughs> It's, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying it's a little ballsy. Well, um, that's always the touchy subject of is this cultural appropriation or should we be able to share our heritage without fear of repercussions i would like to i would i would hope that it's the second one but i'm i'm 
I'm sure it's how you celebrate it. Like, oh, it's an it's the Mexican Halloween. No, it's not. It's something completely different. Indeed. Yeah. So that's like, there are plenty of reasons to celebrate Day of the Dead or Dia de los Muertos, um, but don't just call it the Mexican ha- Halloween. Yeah. And you could almost say it's cultural appropriation in this sense, but it's also so, like how it's celebrating the Druids and um, the Egyptians and stuff like that. You could say it's celebrating it versus and educating too, because the, you know, I think that's the first time I had, had ever heard as a kid of Dios de los Muertos. Oh God damn it. See, see it in your mind. And you'll be able to see it. Dia de los Muertos. Yeah, if I wasn't so tired, then I might. So. Oh, well, wait, I can't help it that you work all day. <laughs> it's like, I don't work all day. I just work all day from home, so I have the better opportunity. I just sit around eating bonbons or eating bread Yes, book. please have that opinion of me. I welcome your comments. <laughs> so, um, in, I mean, we've kind of, we've talked about the plot, um, and then both the movie and the book really explore... Uh, the the backgrounds of the costumes which is not really ever that i've seen been done before or even possibly done since yeah and each one talks not only about the background of the costume but how it's really a dissertation on how early man dealt with the darkness and the cold and death how they dealt with that and how we can deal with it and that's that's one thing even you know with as annoying as the the dialogue can get we'll get on that here in a second um, that I even, you know, just now watching, it was like, it's still educational in the right way. Mm-hmm. Like as an adult, I'm still like, I'm learning and this is really nice. Like, I feel like a kid would watch this and be like, did you know that? Like, <laughs> yes, I did. And we can learn more about it. Like one of those like conversation starters. So, um, but, you know, I, I and the movie did a good job with it, too. Did the book do as good of a job as the movie or even a better job even? With what in particular? Like the education part of it, everything. Yeah, uh, Ray Bradbury has a wonderful way of writing. It's almost stream of consciousness, but it's not because I hate stream of consciousness in writing. He has a wonderful way of giving you the gist of a thing. He's not afraid to repeat for necessity. He's not afraid to go off on tangents about how things smelled. Uh, yeah, like he was uh, like the beginning at Ray. Uh, another quick note: Ray Bradbury actually uh, narrated the the movie. Yes, he did. So like along, so it's like I recognize his voice because of the uh, the theater. Mm-hmm. The Ray Bradbury theater. Exactly. It's it's a lot easier to pick him out now. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm glad that he did. Um, but again, I just. You, I really want, I want like a beat poet to read his stuff. If you're gonna narrate it, I want someone who has like a gist for flow or like Lin Manuel Miranda. There's enough. Not like that. Uh, no, just someone who understands the rhythm of language. He clearly does in a writing sense, but I don't know if he has it in a cadence sense. Well, in in, in this sense, no. Like I think his narration for the the theater for the shorts were better. Because it was more of a storytelling, whereas this one, it was more of a narration background type thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't think that... Well, I think if the guy who voiced Mantra did his regular voice for the narration, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, it was uh, Leonard Nimoy Leonard plays the quote-unquote villain. So, um, so let's... I, I gotta bash on this short for a little bit. 
this is in this this was super nostalgic for me when we first found this. I'm like, oh my god, I kind of remember that. I kind of remember that. I kind of remember that. I don't remember all of this though. Well, we forget the problem is that they had to fill an hour slot. You could see the studio exec saying, "You got to fill an hour slot, and you got to write in six commercial breaks." Oh God, yeah. There's you. You could tell besides the fade to black that we were like. And that's just the beginning! And, like, the music would swell up, and then it would just kind of die down real quick. Like, what? Oh, it's commercial break. Yeah, I wish it wasn't like that. I could see where they were like, yeah, so you gotta do it this way, Ray. We gotta gotta work some breaks into here. (laughs) Well, it's, uh, it's not even, I don't even think it was Ray's fault. I think it was, like, the writers were kind of, like you said, kind of painted into a corner. But, like, beyond that... The direction of the Mr. Moundstroud and the kids' dialogue is just, is terrible. Again, I don't know if it can be done aloud. There are a lot of books written where it's all just through your descriptors. The dialogue might even be incidental at that point. Or if it's imp- if it's there, it's important. It's got to be delivered in just the right way. Then do like the Grinch Knight and have an overarching narration. Because Ray Bradbury only pops up like maybe four or five times total. Yeah, the last time he pops up, it's been like silent from him for ten minutes. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're still here. What? Oh, sh- holy shit. Scare the crap out of me, dude. <laughs> but like... Uh, or like Mr. Malmstrom. I don't know how you would. It. Yeah, it's like I don't know how you convey without narration to the audience just how great of a kid Pip is and how much of a friend he is to all these people. There's no way to convey that unless you did flashbacks. And why would you want to do flashbacks? They work at it though. They do give the kids some dialogue to Pip when they're trying to save him, talking about the things that they did yeah, for him. Yeah, that was kind of cool. Yeah, and it didn't feel like, forced. What like who else is gonna um, who was gonna help teach me to bat left handed or? You know, you're the only one that never made fun of me for my glasses. Like, like, oh shit! Like, this, there, there, like, there's, a, there is really good reasons for this kid to like, for these kids want to save their friend and, like, uh, I don't know. I'll get. I'll no, get I, I have a, I have a line for you, which they uh, paraphrase in this, but I thought you would really, really get a kick out of. They're talking about what, uh, how great Pipkin is, and they said, the day Joe Pipkin was born. All the Orange Crush and knee-high soda bottles in the world fizzed over. <laughs> That's kind of funny. And I'm like, knee-high, I know that. Great knee-high. Or, uh, my, well, my dad's favorite is peach knee-high. I love me a grape knee-high. Uh, you, you like the shots. No, I, I love the grape knee-high soda. Ah, uh, okay. I've never, also, had, I've never had knee-high soda. It's also technically the uh, button that they based the button off of and up on is a grape knee-high soda bottle cap. Um, uh, Also, quick note, uh, really funny because they're talking like, Pip, Pip, Pipkin. We have a friend whose last name is Pipkin. uh, Yeah, or uh, like her her family name is uh, Pipkin, and I call her Pipkin or Pippi, even though that's not her last name anymore. We just call her Pip all the time now and never tell her why. Pip, 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 Pip. (laughs) But uh, the... The dialogue that they wrote for these kids, for the most part, is kind of annoying. Especially that stupid catchphrase. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Do you... Do there you are ever... no oh my goshes in Ray Bradbury's book. Oh no, that is that is so added on. <laughs> Hanna-Barbera and their fucking... And, and their Get really fucking, mad at them, Aaron. Get uh, really mad at them. Catchphrases that they try to shove in. Like, zoinks. 
Jinkies. Roll, roll. Puppy power. Fuck you. <laughs> like, I, These things made for children's amusement disgust uh, us. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, look. What a glorious morning. It makes me sick. We we started watching. We that watched last the first night. twenty minutes of that movie, and now we got to watch the whole damn thing yeah, again because like, it's Halloween. Like Liz and I, Liz and I had to run off, and we look at each other like, "Be damned! We don't watch Hocus Pocus every single year." Or like we look at each other like, "We, we gotta watch this." We more, still aren't reviewing we? it. Stop asking. <laughs> Have we just been getting letters and letters <laughs> and letters? Yes, the mailman is really upset with all the letters he brings oh, the, us. The, the, ma- the old style like leather mailbag. He's we are us, keeping single. Handedly keeping the post service in business, <laughs> but uh, this these kids' dialogue and Mr. Malshroud, it's Leonard Nimoy, and you can tell he's trying his hardest. Oh, he's having a ball it. with this, but cackling it is up super the storm. annoying, and like you don't recognize that it's him at first because the voice is super off. Mm-hmm. They um, we get to the end, and there is a point. Where it gets close, but the book just delivers so much better on it, which is Pip is stuck inside this catacomb. Very, uh, this isn't in the movie, but very Fellowship of the Ring, where uh, they're all stuck under that uh, wraith mound in the hill uh, when Tom Bombadil comes to save them. And they're all just like dying under this hill slowly, and they don't realize that they are until they get under the sun. And they're like, oh, thank God we're out here. So Pip is dying in this catacomb underground. And they uh, can't get him out because he's too scared to come out. And he's afraid. he's like, I this is it for me. I'm stuck here. I'm I'm dead. I'm not gonna make it out of here alive. And they're too scared to go in and get him because there's all these creepy, decaying corpses in there. And uh, Mr. Montrod, who in the book is not the villain, at this point, and there's no there's been no mention of souls or anything like that. He just throws up in the air, which is a very Ray Bradbury thing to do. Um, would you give up one year of your life to save him? There's been no mention of this the entire time until he like says this one line, and they're like, and they're thinking about it, and they're they're like, yeah, and he's like, think about this really carefully, because there may come a time in the twilight of your life when you're sitting down and you're wishing you had one more year to sort things out, to say things to people, to do things you never got to do, and you won't have it because that last year of your life will be gone, because I will have it, and it's this wonderful take on the mortality of all of us and you know you know little 12 year olds what do they know about mortality they can't even comprehend that 60 years from now 70 80 years from now that there may be a point when one year is so precious to them and they're so easily willing to give it up right now in the youth of their life to save their friend absolutely it's like uh like uh pay a pay it later type thing mm-hmm um, and that's, and that's such a, and it's such a kid thought process, but it still, it makes a ton of sense. Like, of course they're going to say that. Oh yeah. What's a year to me when I have my whole life ahead of me, you know? Um, and it's very interesting and I don't, it's not a bad ending. It's just, I, I wouldn't have selected, selected it myself. What would you think the ending should be? Um, Pip dies. No. The friends go their separate ways, uh, a la... It, really? A la it. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know what I would have Or done. Stand By Me, or uh, any other child uh, movie from the 80s. Uh, or uh, uh, Sandlot. Sandlot. <laughs> You're like, 
disappeared into the 70s. We, and we never, never saw, saw him, him again. again. <laughs> uh, How should the movie should have ended? How should the book ended? What, was, what do you think should be the real thing then? I don't know. Like, like I guess because they're giving up time, they could have, I feel like they could have given up something else to sacrifice. But, I mean... That's the thing. I'm trying to come up with this with the top of my head, whereas Ray Bradbury had time to think about it. So could this be the best way to end this? Sure. I'm not a world-famous author. Not yet. Yeah. I think maybe the reason why it works well is because it very clearly ties into the theme of all these historical places they've been and how they deal with their dead, which is really how they deal with the concept of death. Is death just the beginning? Do the dead stick around and hang with us? Uh, are the dead just dead and, and forgotten forever? Um, and to deal with death on a historical perspective and then have to translate it into a personal sacrifice, Maybe I think, makes like, the story worthwhile. Otherwise, what would you end it? He kept talking about the three mysteries, the three mysteries. Did we? Oh, oh ever... so, so, so he gets the first one. It's the four mysteries because there's four kids. And they get to yeah, the first one and then three. He said three mysteries. Then there's two after that one. And then the one he says, the final mystery. I promise he you. He's, three, he, he said three mysteries before I they left I promise you he's Egypt, counting down though. from four to one. I don't know. But see, if they had, so then, okay, so they talk about this whole mysteries thing. Then maybe like deal with that like you know maybe they didn't actually solve it while they were there they like they came close but they didn't actually solve it and he's like to save your friends solve the four mysteries why do this why do that why do that kind of like a final test type thing you know like a or you know like a might be a little too much like school it's a little too much like school so I don't know there's I don't. Right now, I can't think of a better ending. No, so, your idea intrigues me. I hadn't even thought that you might be dissatisfied with the way that concluded. Maybe there was something else that they could give up. You know, like uh, Tom Skeleton could give up one of his E's in his name or something like that. Because he always talks about his name. And the girl, she's not as good at math. Or the kid has to give up, oh my gosh, which would be great for him. And, like, Wally, you know, uh, can never bat left-handed. Like, something like something like that, where it has more of an impact on the kids, like, versus... And I understand, like, it's kind of one of those, like, they don't really understand the true repercussions of it now, because it's like student loans. I think in order to... Oh, it is like student loans. Yeah, I was I th- waiting for you to realize that. I think to make the believability of it real... To be the whole, was this all a dream? Do they actually do this? How will we know? We'd, we wouldn't know until 70 years down the end of their life. We wouldn't know if they'd live one year longer or not. Losing those things would be hard to explain. If he loses one of the E's in his last name, do his parents just get divorced and his mom marries a new guy who has a different name? No, How do they make her worse at no, math? he's Tom Skelton or something like that. It's a skeleton. But how would, that, or... like, how would that change in the reality? How would that make sense? I See, that's the thing. Is like that's, I think... He, I don't like that that that's the repercussions. Is like, again, as someone who's not been, not necessarily, I don't wouldn't say swindled, but as someone who's dealing with student loan debt, like have having been on this side, I feel like that's not a good lesson to teach, or it's the best lesson to teach. I that's that's the thing is is that there is lots of room for error. Yeah, that's why I'm certain this story about children is 
pretty much not meant for children. Yeah. Because if it is, that is dark, man. That's Only super us dark. in our, you know, late 20s or our 40s or our 50s truly understand the repercussions of these children giving but a year the of their lives away. But not the people in their away. 30s. Not the th- people in their 30s. No? no? they don't get included. You said us are our late 20s and the 40s and the 50s. Oh, yeah, the 30s. <laughs> they're yeah. fine. They know what they're doing with their lives. They've got their lives on track. They'd give up 10 years of their lives to save their best friend. <laughs> So, all right, I think we've ranted and raved uh, for quite long enough. About Ray Bradbury? Never yeah, enough. Yeah. Um, but let's go ahead and do you want to do a rating for this guy, for this one? You know? Or um, do you want to say book was better versus movie? Well, I think or... we can both agree that the book was better than the movie. So I will just... I'm gonna I never com- read the book, so I don't oh, know. Oh, that, that is true. You know what? I'm going to combine the whole idea. Just, just the story of the Halloween tree... Okay, just the, yeah. the premise of the Halloween tree as this romp through history to learn about why we fear and do, and cope with death on a historical and a personal level and the imagery, all the gorgeous imagery. And there's no doubt that this this short has all the feelings of fall in it, all the colors. Yeah, and it, like the anim- the animation is not very good, but this set how they set everything up works. Like they're their world building animation works. Their actual animation is not that good, but the world building animation is. Definitely. Um, so I would honestly, for a great Halloween story to have to make you contemplate that and to learn maybe a little something that you didn't learn before, I would say the story of the Halloween tree is a four out of five. I would even give it a five out of five. I'm gonna give it a four point five out of five. You're way too generous. Well, I think you reading the book. I'm a I'm a Bradbury. What you call a uh, a Burry head? I don't know what you call that. That's kind of funny though. Burry head, Burry um, head. I'm a Burry head. I I love the man, and there's very few. He is the he is the exact opposite of Neil Gaiman. Equally as talented as Neil Gaiman, none of his stuff has gotten a proper adaptation. Whereas Neil Gaiman's stuff always seems to get good proper adaptations but whereas i recognize the importance of neil gaiman i haven't liked nearly a single thing the man has ever (laughs) written i'm sorry neil i know you're important and prolific i know you are essential to the genre i haven't liked much of anything you've ever written but neil if you want to come on we'd love to have you on the show let's talk about this tell me why i only like stardust tell me why i've tried your short stories i've tried your novels i don't like your work yeah tell me why Tell me why I don't like your... Why I hate you. <laughs> Whereas Ray Bradbury, he... There is... I've liked everything of his I've ever read. And uh, even with the adaptations being a little hokey or clearly from their era, the stories are still good. And I know that because I have a hundred of them on my shelf. So... <laughs> The collection, yeah, we've got the big, the big, beautiful collection. collection. Uh, One day we'll talk about just stories of his that I pick. Death and the Maiden, probably my favorite. (laughs) But I would say four point five for if you want something fun, definitely get the book. Get the book, read it. It's a very short read. If you want to read it to like your ten or twelve year old, have like a fun reading night every night of Halloween. Read a chapter. It's broken up into chapters. Kind of like a Halloween advent or something like that. Yeah, thirteen days of Halloween. Disney does it. You can do that with this too, and it'll be educational and fun. I mean the verb. The verb. The verb. The new one that the that they're doing. The fresh. The whatever. But uh. 
anywho, uh, my rating for the story of the Halloween tree would have to be a 2.5. I think it's good. Um, it's very educational um, in the sense of old, you know, like uh, fall, autumn eras, like why people celebrate Halloween differently or you know, the different customs and stuff like that. Why at one point in time they called this the new year because the sun was literally dying. The longest day of fall, the solstice, was the end of that year because after that it was just darkness and cold until yeah. the sun came back. I mean, literally, like, almost the earth, well, everything around you just dies. And I mean, they didn't even, um, I think there's a, there is one kid who they don't talk about, but I don't think it actually happens. Um, they talk about ghosts too, and they talk about uh, they kind of hint on it a little bit that he's a ghost. In the there movie. is a kid in here who's just as a ghost. I now remember that, and I don't know why it's not on the cover. Perhaps I'm misremembering. No, there's there's four there's eight kids there. Ah, uh, that's you're right. I just didn't I just didn't mention the ghost. Uh, we talk about uh, the idea of ghosts from um, Roman greek mediterranean and they said that they would spread tar on the doorways to catch ghosts <laughs> which i thought was just really funny it's kind of like the the modern family with the little kids gonna trap santa in the closet yeah like at one point they go why is there a lock on the closet door and the little kid's like i'm gonna answer that with this how would you like it to be christmas every day yeah. Such a cute kid. Um, very, very cute. So, yeah, I'm going to say 2.5 because it's a solid story, but there's a lot of missteps in it. So. We're going to do a follow-up after you've read this because you've never, besides Fear and Huckabee 1, which you had to read for school. Nope. Didn't even read that. Nope. You've never read a single Ray Bradbury thing in your no, life. I've, no, I've read a few Ray, I've, I've read a few short stories. Didn't he do the one where the guy is on a spaceship but it is so calculated that there is literally no extra fuel. Like, and this, that does sound like him. But, so yeah, like the, the like he he it is literally like extra fuel and everything like that. And he finds that there's a stowaway, and it's a little girl trying to get to the station. And he has to send her out into space. <gasps> I don't recall that yeah, at all. Yeah, it's so heartbreaking. No, we haven't even touched because we've talked about Ray Bradbury Theater. We've talked about the Halloween tree. But the man writes a lot about Mars and space. Like, he oh, yeah. loves writing I, about that I, stuff. Again, I've, I've read a few Ray Bradbury. There's one in there. I've got these, like, kids collections of, like, you know, it's Bruce Coville's um, collection. Curated. Yeah, curated. And he, he'll contribute uh, probably one to two stories per book but it's like book of monsters book of aliens spine tinglers ghosts you know that kind of stuff it's it's actually they're actually really good and some of these short stories are really good like that's where we we have the one that was the um to serve man is yeah from. it's a cookbook it's a cookbook oh so iconic so uh they uh but like that, uh, he he has more than one Ray Bradbury in there, so I definitely have read those. Okay, well, I'm going to let you, I'm going to insist you read Halloween Tree, because now you have the nostalgia goggles off. I want you to read what it's based off of. And like you said, it's a very short read. It is a very short read. I probably read it in a, like a half a sitting. So, but... so, Story of the Halloween Tree, a 7 out of 10. As always, we 
We have my enthusiasm tempered with your realism to a predictably average score. <laughs> Maybe yeah. one day we'll have something we just both love immediately. Yeah, I, I mean, I would rate it pretty high. So, but there's going to be there. I um because of like the movie pass and everything like that. I know we're going to be seeing some uh more more and more movies that like we'll be able to go like this wasn't that good or this was amazing so that is true um i'm gonna do the plug party you're yep. gonna think of a fun story to share to make people last to the end of the plug party okay let's see i'm thinking of a story go ahead okay uh so you can find us on facebook at married to the idea on twitter at married number two the idea or you can email us at married to the idea reviews at gmail.com if you don't remember any of those, just Google Marriage to the Idea. You'll find our website, and all of the contact info is on there. If you have questions, um, if you have comments, we would love to hear if anyone else had the Halloween tree as part of their childhood. It's always fun to find those nostalgic classics. And perhaps you have made the Halloween tree part of your Halloween celebrations every year, um, and... It would be uh, fun to hear what some of your favorite uh, nostalgic adaptations are when it comes to books versus shows. So for my story, it's not actually a story, it's a question. Uh, while doing some research on this movie, uh, we were trying to see if we couldn't find it on YouTube, and we found other things on YouTube, including a bunch of the Disney Channel original movies um, that were like, halloween or creepy-esque or something like that so i'm actually posing a question to our viewers and stuff like that and if you listen we like to we I, like comment on soundcloud comment on facebook send us an email whichever but i want i want to see these comments like i actually want to see people respond so if you listen to this all the way through you've gotten to this point comment so that way we know you've listened all the way through right right see uh so comment if you have seen the Disney Channel original movies beyond Halloween Town, and you could even say Hocus Pocus, but beyond those two movies, there's a, there's some like creepy kind of like it's like Phantom of the Megaplex, uh, I Don't Look that. Under the Bed, um, uh, uh, there's like a bunch of those kind of like kind of creepy creepier ones. Uh, what was your favorite Halloween based one? And if you haven't seen any beyond that, you can say how I will. I will if if you say I have not seen any others beyond Halloween Town. Okay, then you can say Halloween Town. I have not actually seen Halloween Town, any of the Halloween towns. Shame on you. Oh, there's like a Tower of Terror too. It was really strange. Um, but uh, or just comment. I have not seen any of them because there's a bunch of them like on YouTube that you can go and check out. So. You are missing out, my friend, on Halloween Town. Uh, young girl who thinks she's just all that in a bag of tricks finds out, yeah, Grandma's a witch, so I am. And, Mom, you don't understand me. You could never understand me. Well, I'm a witch, too, but I chose not to be. You're such a bratty kid. I'm glad I didn't. What? I have a friend who's a monster? How cool. I'm going to go to high school here, Mom, and be a witch. And um, I'm sorry. Back up uh, a a few seconds. Did you say all that in a bag of tricks? tricks? You know the saying is all that in a bag of chips, right? I was putting a Halloween spin on it. That sounds believable, right? I had no her, idea. Folks. I had Do no idea it was her. all that in a bag of chips. I and you know that the the show 
all that came from that saying. All that and a bag of chips, because they're all that. The song, all that, ah, ah, this you. is all that and a bag of chips. This is all that. You are teaching me so much. Well, I guess you can call me clavicle then. Ah. Well, folks, um, thanks for sitting through the plug party. And uh, like I said, we want to hear we want to hear your responses. So, um, or if you've not seen any of those, but you know Halloween tree, talk about that you love Halloween tree. So, um, but we've got some a uh, couple more fun things. We've got one more fun thing for this week. We are trying to keep up the two. We we were late this last one, but. Uh, Gotta keep with that tight schedule. Yeah. But uh, the next week, I'm really this this last week before Halloween. I'm really really looking forward to I it because it's gonna be are. it's gonna be a lot of fun because of the two things that we're doing. So, um, like the last one, we may not even put like a like an actual descriptor. Like we might be like we might even just call it the Halloween, Halloween spectacular. Yep. Halloween spooktacular. Ah, you're the first person to think of that, I'm sure. I am. So. There are no other marketing campaigns based around that very obvious pun, Aaron. Should we close this off, my dear? That's my love. All right. She's been Elizabeth. He's been Aaron. And, and we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea. Oh, my gosh. <laughs>